Welcome, folks, back to Chef Sports. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, that intro song was My Body by Young the Giant, by the way. Uh, if you guys haven't seen, go on ESPN uh, or even YouTube. Um, really cool videos. You look up like College Football Images of the Year 2011. That was their main song. 2012, really good hype videos for college football season. It's a great song to work out to when I was playing and always gives me chills for the new era that we see uh, every year as things just momentum builds with the game. But thanks for joining me again. I know everyone's been busy. I've been busy myself, I'm sure, as my guests, and I try and do shows whenever I can. But you'll see more now as the NFL and college football, which to me are you know, my favorite sports are returning. So once again, um, the legendary Pat Godfrey from <laughs> Harborfields High School played at Clemson. He knows what it's like to win it all um, on the biggest stage, especially after, you know, the playoffs were implemented at the end of the BCS era. So welcome back, Pat. How are you? I'm doing great, Calder. Great to be back. I always love being on the uh, Chef Sports podcast and, uh, you know, just getting really excited for some college football right around the corner. Yeah, so we'll jump right into it. Um, pretty crazy turn of events. I was taking notes, and for people that don't know me or do mo- know me, uh, there may even be fellow colleagues that listen to this. I'm a huge data person, analytics, but I think first up, the foundations of college athletics, not only talking about football, have been, I would say, shaken recently. Uh, USC, uh, Southern California, and the University of California, Los Angeles are most definitely leaving um, the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions. Um, it's pretty much sent shockwaves throughout athletics. I mean, the Pac-12 has been around, I believe, since 1905. Uh, I believe USC or UCLA joined in about 1922. Um, so it's pretty shocking. It's something that is taking a lot of people by storm. Uh, I'm curious to see what Pat has to say, you know, in terms of maybe being a recruit and now saying, hey, do I really want to go play here, even though I may 95% of the time not even be playing in the state which the actual school is located. As athletes, you know, as Pat can probably later have a strict schedule and they're traveling and so forth. But yeah, there's a lot to dive into. What was your initial reaction when the news broke? My initial reaction was just that this was a blatant admission that the people running college athletics are no longer running it for the well-being of student athletes. And uh, I think if you look at what student athletes at USC and UCLA are going to have to go through in order to compete throughout their season uh, with a Big Ten schedule um, and those time changes and that amount of travel, I think it's going to be detrimental to student health, student outcomes, academics, uh, all of those things. And, um, you know, it's, it's just another step towards the professionalization of college athletics. Um, I, I'm not happy to see it. But one thing I will remind people of is, uh, you know, back in the very late days of the Big East, I believe it was 2012, the Big East had a contract to bring Boise State into the league. And if you think about the Big East and think about how ludicrous it sounds to have Boise State coming from Idaho out to the Big East, it's just as ludicrous to have UCLA and USC calling themselves members of the Big Ten. So who knows if this logistically will even happen? There's currently laws in California preventing public schools from traveling to, uh, I believe, three out of the states in the Big, uh, Big Ten. Uh, Indiana is one of them uh, because of certain laws uh, surrounding a- abortion and whatnot. 
Um, but there's a lot of different moving pieces here. I hope for the, for the well-being of college football that this deal doesn't really materialize. But if this does go through, I think we're looking at a dramatically changed landscape forever. Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, a quick quote. It was from an article from ESPN. The title of it, uh, Inside the Stunning, USC, UCLA moved to the Big Ten and the chaos that followed. Uh, I was uh, astonished and kind of shocked to read uh, a quote. It says, uh, the USC-UCLA Big Ten courtship started so quickly that many across the country, especially within the Pac-12, were caught completely off guard. Some athletic directors learned about the moves on their flights home from a conference. Uh, one described a holy shit shock and awe moment when he got word via text message. Um, I think that's quite valid. Uh, I don't think it shows that college athletic incorporated, you know, the people at the table should not be at the table. Uh, I, I have to, I hate to say it, but I'm just going to say it. the AD at UCLA, he's a crybaby. Um, UCLA does not need money. They have money. They'll always get money to say that, you know, you're going from a $45 million contract to a $10 million contract with COVID doesn't mean squat to me. Um, it, it's ludicrous. So, it's not going to benefit the athletes. It's going to benefit the people that don't actually get on the field like Pat, who's on the show or the coaches that put in 80, 90 hour weeks. Uh, I think it's a move that people will, uh, I think the people that make this decision are going to regret it. And I don't like to bring politics on the show, but I actually am very happy with the governor of California, Gavin Newsom saying that, you know, the UCLA, they owe a public apology. I think it's very valid. Um, my fiance Alexa is from California. And I told her, I said, you know, I don't think an athlete who is from maybe LA from a lower income family should have to tell his mom and dad, Hey, you know, now you're going to have to get on a plane 95% of my games. Now they can't go. And you know, it, 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 it goes against, I think everything that makes the PAC 12 great. So I agree with Pat. Um, Calder, I mean, I, you, you yeah. really you do bring up a great point there as well. Um, you know, people don't really consider the families of these student athletes when they're talking about these seismic shifts in college football. But really, like, you know, you, you brought it up. How are you going to ask a, a, an average family of, let's say, a U, UCLA or USC student athlete to try and get to Piscataway once a year, yes. to try and get to Ann Arbor yes. once a year? Um, I, I mean, I know just for my parents trying to get 13 hours down the East coast of South Carolina was a struggle. And, uh, you know, both physically and financially for the family. And we try yeah. to make it happen as much as possible. When you're talking about West coast to East coast and uh, Midwest, that is really, really uh, grueling, not just on the student athletes, but on the families that you're asking to support them. Yeah. And for people, I mean, that don't get this. And I, I, I think that the people at the top of the table in the PAC 12 that decide to leave, uh, shame on you. I think that the Big Ten should realize, to be quite frank, um, okay, USC, I'm just going to say, well, actually, we'll bring up another point, but I saw news that USC, you know, uh, they think they think they're going to win the national championship. It's not going to happen. And I hate to say it to Trojan fans, you're not going to win a Big Ten title. If anything that the Big Ten has shown <laughs> is that the recruiting for Ohio State is much different from USC. So, you know, Lincoln Riley, I hate to say it, man, don't expect to go to the Big Ten and win a conference title. You may never win a conference title. I, I mean, I mean, look at it. What was it, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that Nebraska, a national power, leaves the Big 12 
to come over to the uh, to the Big Ten, and they haven't been relevant for the greater yes, part of their exactly. tenure in the Big Ten. And exactly. that is a that's a program historically on par with the USC's of the world, and they're geographically um, located in Big Ten exactly. country. You know, exactly. so I, I I think that's that's a great point. Yeah, Carter. yeah. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, uh, if anyone doesn't know, I mean, you have to remember, I uh, you know, USC and UCLA look. They don't have national championships recently, but if people don't understand from the year, probably 2002 to 2006, I mean, you flip it. I mean, the USC dominated athletics. I mean, the Reggie Bush, Matt Weinart, like they were the equivalent of the Ohio States, the Clemsons, the Alabamas. They, they beat teams every single game. They could have won three national championships in a row. Uh, UCLA, uh, you know, John Wooden, they've won the most titles in the history of college basketball. The conference is rich, but these programs leaving, I think, is a signal that, like Pat said, which is a great point, the roots of collegiate athletics are changing. Um, I will have to say, though, if there's anyone to blame, I think it is the NCAA. I think Mark Emmert was there way too long. He's leaving now as NIL kicks in, as this kicks in. I think the committees should be embarrassed which, with what has transpired because to many people, and actually Paul Feinbaum and others have said this, there may be a day where the NCAA does not choose to exist. Um, there is discussion about a national co- you know, college football conference that comes in the way of the NCAA. And I think that if the NCAA has anything to do right now, they should be focused on not limiting the money that athletes can make but keeping conferences in order. Um, so I, I know there's a lot more, but Pat, let's just, b- between you and I, uh, if you are a recruit right now that USC wants to, re- to, to bring on board, what would, you know, what would maybe you personally think and what do you think maybe some top recruits are thinking right now if they do get offers from these schools but say, hey, why would I want to go if I'm not even going to be in the exact state to play the majority of the games? I think it just adds another giant question mark over the USC program. Um, there, there's, there's been a lot of hope this offseason. You bring in Lincoln Riley, and there's really a feeling around you know South Central L.A., that USC is on the path to being back. But I think this is just another step backwards for them because if, you know, I'm a five-star recruit and I've got USC offering me and I've got Ohio State offering me, I'm going to go with the school that I know can win the championship in my league two out of four years, three out of four years that I'm there. Versus USC, it's a huge question mark if you'll ever get the chance to play in a Big Ten championship game. The Pac-12 championship has been out of reach as of late for the USC Trojans. So I really think, you know, it's another step backwards. Um, If I'm a student athlete also, you know, the idea that for seven, eight Saturdays uh, every single fall, I'm going to be flying cross country, jet lagged, and going to go try and play an 11 o'clock kickoff in the Big Ten. um, None of that really appeals to me. And I think it's just another setback and another reason why we won't see the USC Trojans of old anytime soon. Right. Now, Kind of bringing it back to Clemson Nation, um, what do you think Dabo Sweeney and maybe other coaches think? I mean, I don't suspect – I think, to be fair, as good as Clemson is and as much I respect you and the program and, and UNC, I would think a Clemson would say, hey, look, we're happy in the ACC. We've had a lot of success. Do you see the ACC becoming uh, engulfed in this maybe interconference treachery, or do you think the ACC and Dabo Sweeney say, look – I don't care about 
getting to another conference for the TV rights, I want to stay in this conference and still get a chance to win it all. I think, unfortunately, the way this winds up playing out is an every man for himself type situation. Um, if you're Clemson, as much as you'd like to stay at home within the ACC, you're a founding member of the conference. Um, when you look around and you look at the risk that, let's say, you know, a Florida State of Miami were to leave or a Florida State and a UNC were to leave, all of a sudden you're left behind in an era of super conferences and really not going to garner the kind of natu- national respect to continue to recruit at the level that Clemson is accustomed to. So I think that, you know, they're going to be looking out for themselves. I think that the additional television rights money is very attractive and sexy and they fall naturally within the SEC footprint. So as much as I'm going to hate to see it, my ultimate belief is that, you know, we're going to see at least Clemson and Florida State jump ship to the SEC. And ultimately, I think the SEC is going to be a 20 team league with either uh, some combination of UNC, Miami and, and UVA coming along for the ride. Um, yeah, we'll see. And it's going to be a tough day in college football because I don't know. It's, it, might, it might be a long road for Clemson to, to win an SEC title. Um, who, who knows what that would great. look like. Yeah, great point. Well, I love the discussion so far. We'll, we'll get into our next topic, but maybe just to give uh, people that are listening, I mean, you've been there. What, what is this time of year like when you were at Clemson? You know, college football is less than, I think, 50 days away, whatever the number is. What's, uh, what would be, you know, what is your routine this time of year? How are you getting ready for the season? Maybe what are things that Dab, one of your coaches, told you? What is, if you're an athlete right now and you're just getting ready for the season, what, what was your routine like in the weeks building up to the kickoff? So this would probably be our last week of summer workouts before we start fall camp. So what we'd be doing right now is some of our final conditioning tests, uh, some of our max, uh, you know, uh, weights in the weight room that we can put up um, and getting all that testing out of the way. Um, so usually over the course of the summer, your, your schedule kind of looks like you got about two hours of weights and, and conditioning every single day, usually about an hour of skills and drills that is player led and uh, about an hour of player led film per day. So about four, four to five hours of, of football a day per, uh, you know, over the summer. And, uh, you know, these guys probably are going to get off in about a day or two have maybe four or five days off to go home and see their families. And then it's going to be off to the races. Usually every year, our uh, first day of fall camp was at the very end of July. So big weigh in. And then all of a sudden you're right in the middle of hell. So all right, uh, I know these guys right. are excited, but also have the, the, the butterflies that I used to feel for the last two weeks of July. Yeah. I'll never forget them. Interesting. Very cool. I love the insight. Um, before we get into some week one picks and predictions, it was kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if anyone watched. I mean, I couldn't. I'm sure, you know, we were both working, but, you know, SCC Media Day was this week. Um, I'm going to play a quick clip from Vanderbilt's head coach. And if you guys can hear the audio, uh, here's, here's what he said. And without their direction, their leadership, their energy behind our efforts, there's no way we could reach as high as we're reaching. But it's because of their support that we're aiming to build the best football program in the country at Vanderbilt University, where we have the best school in the best city, in the best conference, with the best facilities on the horizon. So Vanderbilt's coach, uh, a lot of media and Twitter feed after what he said. Now, I do have, you know, Vanderbilt, it's a great institution. Um, Who wouldn't want to be in Nashville? I was supposed to go there during COVID, but plans changed. 
Um, but kind of surprising. I mean, I, I don't know how these media days really work. I know every school gets the chance to talk, but I think a lot of people are caught off guard. They're saying, well, Vanderbilt, uh, I mean, James Franklin was there, but the way he said building up to be a, a great program to me is like, that's a lot of work. Uh, you don't, you're not just in the ACC where you could deal with maybe two or three schools. You're going to do a five or six. Uh, I, I mean, do you think this is kind of the usual swag or confidence, or do you think that maybe five, ten years down the line, this guy is, really means that Vanderbilt could be a big player in the SEC? It's one of the most ludicrous statements I've ever heard. And I you know, ap- apologies to one of my buddies, Jimmy Thompson, who's on staff at Vanderbilt, because <laughs> I know they're working hard and they're working to try and get to a bowl game. But, you know, this is a school that we're talking about has been a perennial doormat since James Franklin left there. It wasn't like they were you know, a powerhouse when Franklin was there, but more so just, you know, in the upper mix of the SEC East. Um I just don't think it's particularly productive if you're a head coach to put out bold declarations like that when your team is used to getting beat 60 to nothing at home by Alabama. Um, They can't fill out the stadium. Most of the time that they have a packed stadium, it's the opposing fans that are packing the house because so many people love traveling to to Nashville. Um, Hey, all all love for, for Vanderbilt and, you know, best of luck to them as they try and compete in the SEC, which is, you know, more of a super conference than ever. But, you know, really to me, if, if he was able to go 500 in that conference, that would be like, (laughs) that'd be like a national championship coming home to Clemson. (laughs) Well said. Yeah. Well said. Really. uh, Let's start small. I I agree. I mean, I don't know this coach at all, um, but I think that, um, don't expect him to don't expect them to go one and eight or whatever. And then he says this and everyone says, well, what were you talking about? So who knows? I don't know how these things are pressed out in the speeches, but regardless, we'll see what happens. Um, Yeah. Getting into week one, I, I actually went through every single game on TV and I make picks and uh, I've just been watching it for song like Pat. So I, I could go 50 and two one week. I could go 25 and 25. I just go through the games and, Based on the knowledge I've accelerated, I make some picks. So I'll I'll, I'll have a few picks that I chose. We'll see what your regards are and your thoughts. Um, I do have Georgia. They have a big opener against the Ducks. Um, I have Georgia winning by about 14 points. Um, College game day, Ohio State hosting Notre Dame. I think it's a great game. I know your brother's an Irish fan. He's he's either still there, he graduated, and I know especially for him and a lot of fans, the – First game of the non-Brian Kelly era should be very exciting to watch, but I have the Buckeyes winning by 14 at home. But it, I think it will be a good game. Um, I know you mentioned you you know the uh, quarterback at Appalachian State. I'm very excited for that game against UNC. I got to go with North Carolina, but I do expect it to be a great game. I've heard Boone is a very fun atmosphere. I would maybe would like to get there sometime. And I believe App State uh, was recently listed as one of the schools, I think, with at least – 10 wins in the past few seasons they've had a very good you know a winning percentage recently it's a, i think they're an undervalued program that has a lot of success um and then obviously you know we get into the other games we have miami winning i have texas a&m winning their opener i have oklahoma winning their opener brent venable is going to be there the new head coach former of clemson um any games those listed or any others that you would really look at for week one I'm, you know, my eyes are purely focused on that home opener in Columbus. Um, I know my brother is going to be making the trip out there to, to see his fighting Irish take on the Buckeyes. 
Um, it's going to be the opening game of the Marcus Freeman era at Notre Dame and a really huge opportunity for the Irish on the road to make a statement. Now, you know, looking at what Ohio State is returning, it's going to be really, really tough for them to, to outduel C.J. Stroud and, uh, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, some of the studs that they have uh, over there at Ohio State. Um, but I'm really excited for that one. I think it's going to be a close, tight game uh, coming out the gate. Um, I've, I've also got the Buckeyes winning that one. But I think uh, that's really one to keep an eye on because Marcus Freeman has been lighting it up on the recruiting trail. I know a lot of people in South Bend are excited about him. And if they're able to come out and beat Ohio State week one, that would be a really, really uh, bold statement that the Irish are, are contending for championships again. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Um, you know, beyond that, I, uh, I'm also excited for that App State-UNC matchup in Boone. I'm going to pick, uh, actually, the Mountaineers in that okay. one. Chase Bryce going okay. into his sixth year. He's an old man now. I can make fun of him. He was, he, was just a, <laughs> he was just a kid when he came on the scene and I met him, but <laughs> now he's an old man in the landscape yep. of college yep. football. And he's got, he's got some swag. He's a winner. I don't know if you'll remember, but he went down to uh, down to Coral Gables and beat Miami yes. uh, last year. And I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever to see the Mountaineers get the upset over the ACC yeah. program in UNC yeah. week yeah. one. So that that's going to be kind of my upset pick. Nice. Um, but beyond that, I really uh, I like your feel for uh, for the opening weekend. Very cool. Now, two more things I want to mention. One, uh, I kind of give a lot of respect to this, and and people may say, well, it's just a you know a symbol or an icon that you know, this program used in the back in the day when I think they used it because they actually could honor it and they had the hype, they had the, 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 the skill set. Uh, Mario Cristobal said that the, the turnover chain is going to be no longer a thing at Miami. I kind of give them respect. I think that the same way Texas said, you know, their defensive back you and we're back um, isn't true. It's never going to be true unless they really win. I kind of like uh, this coach in Miami, what he's saying. I think maybe he's trying to make him a little more humble and say, okay, you can have a turnover chain, but don't use this symbol to show that we can turn ball over if we don't win games and we don't perform well. I'm actually kind of impressed with him. Uh, any thoughts on that, what, what, how he said the turnover chain shouldn't really be relevant anymore? I, I kind of like it because, you know what, stuff like that, gimmicks, those aren't what – that's not what great programs are built upon. Great programs are really built upon culture all the other stuff just kind of serves as a distraction as a sideshow and uh, I think Mario Cristobal is a really good guy to get Miami back to being what Miami used to be about which is you know being tough fast football and uh, you know that really hasn't been the case Miami for for years has been trying to recreate the the old you and uh, yep. they've mainly done so with their mouths and not with their play on the field so I think um, you know, they've got a really exciting quarterback in, uh, in Van Dyke. Um, they should be a, a, a good team this year. He's got a chance to come out the gate and probably win a coastal division if, yeah. uh, if he does well. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a nice change of direction for Miami, which yeah. really needs to focus first and foremost on being a good team on the field before anything yeah. else. Great. I had one more point, but I have to bring up the last point because it relates to you. But my second to last point um, – this guy, I think, is a really good quarterback. I don't know about his NFL future, but he was featured in the show QB1. I think out of all those quarterbacks, he's the only one featured in the show to still be at the school he committed to and has actually had success. I think he could be an underdog for the Heisman if their team performs very well 
And even if they don't have a great season, if he puts up PlayStation numbers and performs well on the field, uh, what are your thoughts on the ACC in terms of Wake Forest and Sam Hartman? I think he's a very good player. I think he's progressed. He's not the biggest guy or the fastest guy, but I will say I was quite impressed with them last season. You know, I think him and Pickett were kind of the dark horse QBs of the ACC. But how do you think maybe Wake Forest and Hartman perform this season if everything goes according to plan for them? Um, I, I'm a big fan of Sam Hartman. I, I have been since he's been at Wake. Um, and, you know, he's going into, I believe, his senior year. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's all been building to this. And he's really had a tremendous tenure, like re- really um, unrivaled in terms of his tenure at Wake Forest. But what I will say is NC State's bringing a really good team back this year. And Clemson is going to have as stingy a defense as ever. We'll see what happens at the quarterback position. But I know Clemson is absolutely loaded in the Atlantic division. Um, And they got to contend with Phil Jerkovic up at Boston College. It's really a murderer's row. I I think the ACC is really as strong as it's been in years. Um, And I think it's going to be tough for Wake Forest to go any better than maybe an eight and four type season, just because the kind of schedule that they're staring down the barrel at. I mean, the Atlantic division, I I think has been down for years, but you know, I didn't even mention uh, Cunningham over at Louisville. There's really not a game that you can circle and say, that's an easy win for Wake. And uh, you know, they're going to fight for everything they get. I still think they will be a bowl eligible team by the time it's all said and done, but Unfortunately for Sam Hartman, I don't think they're going to be able to recreate, uh, you know, what the kind of magic they had last yeah. year, especially trying to replace all five offensive linemen. Yeah, love your point. I, I really like Sam Hartman. I think, I think he's the type of guy that no matter what, even if he doesn't go pro, you know, he'll be successful. If anyone hasn't watched QB1, for some reason it's hard to even watch the season he was featured on. He's a great story. He's gone through a lot of adversity. He had, I think, a really bad uh, – like virus or something. He lost a lot of weight. He came back. He actually, if you guys don't know, he went to, I think school all throughout his years in North Carolina, moved to South Carolina for his senior year, pretty much helped a high school team rebuild the program that lost every game. Their first season, they actually had a program and they, I think went at least eight and one, very good guy, very big in the locker room. Um, The last question I have to make it Clemson based, you know, Dabo Sweeney, much respect for him. Um, you know, he's the type of coach that has really brought Clemson up to the national standing. Um, and I think if there are two coaches in college football right now that are the, you know, the iconic coaches that have worked their ways up, but maybe one has worked his way more up just due to the conference he's been in and what he's been able to build, it's been Dabo. Um, you know, of course, I'm sure as a Tiger fan, you want another national championship. You were on one. But see the Clemson hopeful. Two. And, yeah, two, two. Yeah, <laughs> yes, two. I, I, yes, two. Uh, well said. But I, I, if you're a Clemson fan, I think, look, everyone wants to win every year. And even though Clemson, maybe since Lawrence has left and you have left, you know, it hasn't been what maybe fans have wanted or maybe have expected. I can't really say that, you know. I'm, but what do you think, regardless of this season, you know, Dabo's uh, – you know, respect will be like, do you think Dabo Sweeney, like Nick's, Nick Saban, who I believe will stay at Alabama forever, do you think he'll always remain at Clemson? And do you think no matter what happens this season that, you know, he's gained enough respect throughout the country to keep a secure job at Clemson? 
Um, so f- first off, Calder, I love you, man. I appreciate the insinuation that the reason we haven't won since I left is because of me, but I'll take <laughs> that every day of the week. Um, <laughs> uh, regarding Dabo, yeah, I think, you know, he's got so much equity in that town that, uh, you know, he's, he's really untouchable so long as he wants to stay in Tiger Town. I do think that uh, Dabo will finish his career and retire as the head coach at Clemson. I, I used to think a little bit differently, but the way that it's played out, he's had such remarkable success and he's become such an icon in the state of South Carolina. Um, it's really, really hard for me to believe that he could ever leave. Um, the only time I ever thought he would leave is if he had the chance to potentially replace Nick Saban. Um, but I think he'll finish out his career there. Um, as, as far as you know, how long of a leash he'll get, it's hard for me to imagine that Clemson is going to fall off to the point where we're no longer contending in the ACC. Now, if, if we move to the SEC and have a few rough years, then potentially, you know, five, six years down the road, Dabo could be, uh, you know, a little bit of a hotter seat than he's in now. But as things stand right now, Clemson really, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't anything without Dabo, without Dabo Sweeney, uh, nearly on the level that they are now. Um, they owe a lot of gratitude to him, and, and we'll see because this is really – this upcoming year, in my opinion, is the greatest challenge of Dabo Sweeney's career since he's built the program to, to these heights. Um, he's trying to replace both coordinators going into this season. He's got an embattled quarterback who, you know, there's a lot of people calling for the freshman Cade Kolubnik five-star to start right out of the gate. Um, there's a lot of big decisions resting on Dabo's shoulders, and we'll see how this new staff that he's put together responds to it. Um, you know, I'm I'm rooting for the best. Um, I'm you know somewhat skeptical at times, just because there's not the kind of experience and the kind of uh, you know winning tradition necessarily still in in the building as there was you know in years past. But uh, I I think I'm I'd be foolish to ever bet against the man with what he's already accomplished in, in Clemson, South Carolina. Yeah, well said. I mean, I I think going back to that iconic 2013 college game day that either was the first at Clemson or the first in a long time from then on. And then when you were there, they've taken the nation by storm. I'm thankful for that because if not, I don't know if the ACC would really, uh, be honest, be relevant. Um, And I think that my hope is that the ACC stays as it is and Clemson stays because Clemson can stay in the ACC and get to the playoff, they proved it. They don't need to go to the SEC to put even more pressure on the funding or the recruits to go through all that stress to try and get to a conference title. I think that if the ACC stays intact, there will be normalcy. And I think it's a great conference. I think that, like you said, NC State, Wake, Boston College, it's very competitive. And my hope is that one of these teams like Clemson makes it far and, uh, and wins. Um, you know, I chose Alabama to win it all this season, but if Clemson can pull it all off or another school from the ACC can make a Cinderella story, I'm happy with that because the conference deserves respect. Uh, I think it's still undervalued by recruits. Um, I think that if you're a five-star quarterback and if it was me, I would much rather, even with all the money and the attention, I'd much rather go to a wake in Boston college and have a season to remember and to win big than to just go to an Alabama because it's an Alabama and have to wait a season or two and win a natty the easy way. 
I think. And, and people don't know, but, you know, statistically, the ACC is the second best conference in terms of churning out pros behind the yeah. SEC. Yeah. So in terms of the, the caliber of athlete on the field, um, you know, it's, it's second to one, so to speak. Yeah. Well, hey, Pat, phenomenal show. Very well done. I know, guys, uh, we usually want to hit the 30-minute mark. We're at about 33. So we'll get on the air soon. Um, very excited for college game day. I'll probably be up around six or seven, just re- anticipating Corzo and the crew. Uh, I know there's been rumors it could be Lee Corzo's last season. God bless his soul, because that show uh, makes, I'm sure, Pat and a lot of people Saturdays, you know, getting to the long, through the long week. Um, but it'll be fun. I think there's more normalcy this year. We'll see stadiums filled out. I know Wisconsin and Penn State have sold out their entire season with student tickets as many other universities have, including, I'm sure, Clemson. And uh, no matter what, I got to get down to Clemson sign with Pat. I know we've talked about it. We'll have to make it happen. I'd love to see everything. So thank you again, my friend. Uh, we'll talk soon. Always a blast. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening to Sheck Sports. Brought to my anchor since 2018. Catch me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. We'll see you soon. Thank you again, and have a great rest of the weekend. weekend.